0: Welcome to another episode of Quantum Recast. Now, this isn't a traditional episode. Nope. Um, we call them mini sods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mini-sodes, right? What? And uh, what we're doing is, well, it's November, and November's the worst month for this podcast. Kind of. It's just awful, because October, we have thousands of possible choices for Halloween, horror. It's a theme month.
1: It's it's a good time, yeah, yeah then for December,
0: sure. And December, more, just thousands. There are of, movies
1: just de- dedicated dedicated to those holidays. Yes. November, Nothing. squat. You get one movie.
0: It's got squat. You got one movie. Yeah, there's we we we've always get to this ever since we've been doing this podcast. We get to November and we go, okay, what's a Thanksgiving movie? And all we ever say is, well, there's planes, trains, and automobiles. But that's
1: two people, there's Corey. Two people in that's that two movie. Two people. We can't and do an entire episode.
0: I mean, there's like peripheral characters, I guess, but yeah. it's like it's mainly no, it's the two. Yeah. And, yeah. and honestly, that's that's. A lot of times we have movies like Willy Wonka or, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, we have like characters that are really hard. Yeah. But you got one character that are really big shoes to
1: fill. John Candy and Steve Barton. that's two. <laughs> that's two giant shoes to it's fill. It's just awful. Yeah. Like
0: just absolutely massive shoes to fill. So we always avoid it.
1: So anybody that clicked on this hoping we were doing planes, trades, and automobiles... Not today.
0: Nope. Nope. One day, maybe we'll have the guts to do it, but right, right. now- Our 20-minute episode. <laughs> and uh, this guy. So um, okay. so uh, we'd have to take it to a year in which John Candy's dead. That way, we just have the excuse. That's in, true. Yeah, just... yeah. I, I mean, right now, you could just take <clears throat> Planes, Trains, and Automobiles from 1995, and it's Davis and Chris Farley, end of movie. Yeah. There you go. We yeah.
1: did. There's the episode. And so it's Tommy Boy. <laughs> it's just Tommy Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, but Chris Farley would pull at our heartstrings at the end, just like John that's Candy. That's true. That's true. Maybe not as much. But well, okay, okay, refocus, refocus. refocus. <laughs> We're not doing plain strings on our list. And we've gone through lists, and like there are Thanksgiving movies. Yeah. I, I, I every time I say that there's not a lot of Thanksgiving movies, some white girl with a vanilla latte from Starbucks always says, What about Family Stone? And I'm like, who cares? Watched it once. Yeah. I thought it was a Christmas it's movie. Not great. You know. it's, it's all right. It's watchable, but not. I don't know. We'd have to be on this podcast for like our 108th year before we Family, did. Stone Family Stone came up. <laughs> and so uh, I, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Sergei so Barker having a horrible- Rachel McAdams it, is yeah, lovely. It's, it's great. It's fine. But no, not doing it. And so, um, and there's like, we've watched the Things Killing movies, which is about a killer turkey- Yes, um, and it's the most low budget thing in the world. It's true, um, but really, it's hard to cast a hand puppet turkey that murders people. Right. Yeah. Um, there is a new horror movie called Thanksgiving. Yes. And maybe next November. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it makes the cut. Maybe I don't
1: know. He's gonna watch it though. Maybe.
0: So what we've decided though, is that there's this genre of film that I don't know if it's I don't know if we're creating this or if it exists, but the fall mm. autumn movie. Ah. Because I think fall and autumn is just kind of a vibe.
1: It is a vibe. It's a vibe. Yes, yeah. It's just, it's, for sure. it's
0: a super aesthetic, like holiday. You got,
1: listen, you got the orange and yellow leaves and the, some red leaves and yeah. stuff. Like people are wearing sweaters. It's sweater season. Who wants
0: put on their favorite sweater and, and like a cool coat? And
1: in Oklahoma, like where we're at, like fall lasts for like a week, Corey. Not a
0: week. And we don't
1: get that. So, everyone else gets to experience this, I guess, in the Northeast. Yeah. But not here.
0: And so, this episode is going out to you people who get fall.
1: (laughs) You people in Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine.
0: And so, uh, listen, I create. So, mainly what we're doing is this is an excuse for me to talk about my favorite movie of all time. And it is without a doubt my favorite movie of all time St. Almo's Fire, which is awesome. You sure about this? That's your your pick. It's my go to pick. Okay. I don't understand it, I, I genuinely don't. I, the story of St. Elmo's Fire with me is like I was dating a girl at the time uh-huh. and she knew I was in the eighties movies and she was at home with her mom and they just watched it. And she said, Have you ever seen any St. Elmo's Fire? I was like, No. She kinda sent me the cast list and I was like, sounds pretty legit. It's like it's like, you know, like sixty percent of the breakfast clubs right, in it. Right, so right, I'm right, like, yeah. all right. Me you know? more. And so I'm like, all right. Like and I I watched it and I hated it oh because it's so nihilistic true and i was like why would you tell me to watch this it's like hey you're my girlfriend and half the movies about infidelity what are you trying to tell me what are you trying <laughs> to get what are you
1: projecting here what's going and, on
0: and then i like and it's weird i kind of went to bat like bed upset because like i don't know why she told me to watch this i feel like this was a horrible <laughs> recommendation i got up and watched it again the next day and i was like it's the best movie i've ever seen it's a weird experience
1: so why Corey?
0: i think it's just my age Okay. Like, it's kind of, I, first of all, the Brat Pack's my favorite thing that Hollywood's ever turned out. Got it. I think it's the greatest thing that's ever existed in Hollywood. It's just, it's this amazing, like, na- like aside from the Rat Pack, which is actually musicians turned actors, like, let's just be honest. Right, right, right. You know, that's, that's kind, of a, it's kind of a novelty. It's a cool guy club. It's yeah. a novelty. You get things like Tim Burton and, like, David O. Russell, who, like, I like certain actors.
1: I'm only going to work <laughs> with these. It's like a community theater. You're yeah. just getting the same people over and over again.
0: Whereas the Brat Pack was this weird group of like just this incredible influx of these 20 something actors that all hit Hollywood at the same time. Yes. And they worked with multiple. Now they get associated with John Hughes. But this isn't a John Hughes movie.
1: It's and maybe not. that's
0: another reason I like it.
1: And that's what I turned to you watching it going like, yeah, is this this so John Hughes just wrote this? He just did and you're like, no. He no. did nothing. The
0: only thing John Hughes has to do with this movie is he recommended the three breakfast club kids to joel schumacher okay because it apparently took joel schumacher a lot to get this movie made he wrote he, joel, joel schumacher wrote and directed
1: okay the saint almost fire
0: oh he which wrote you, it okay if you've never seen saint almost fire it's just about a group of kids who just graduated college and that it's just it's how do you start life right right it's that coming of age life's hard we did all the right things and now it's complicated right life's hard it's guys the ending of friendships it's the imploding of an era of your life it essentially explores that whole idea it's the it's the it's the last line of a stand by me right mm-hmm. the friends you have when you're 10 something 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 yeah. you know you never replace those friends right? right or you never have friendships quite like the ones you have when you're 10 or something yeah. like that because essentially the whole theme of St. old fire is like the fr- the most important relationships to you from like let's just say 12 to 22 mm-hmm. won't last true yeah. They'll get. They'll either die. You'll go off in separate directions, or you'll develop relationships that replace them—wives, husbands, kids, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's
1: just, it's just, it's changing into a new chapter of life, and not everybody like has the same path. Especially college, where you're all got different majors and and career goals and stuff, and it's going to send you probably somewhere else.
0: And so I think that's why I like it. I think it's just a really like realistic movie, and it, which of course is why it didn't settle with me when I first watched it because I was at that age. Yeah. I was Like probably twenty four mm-hmm. when this like was recommended to mm-hmm. me, and I was like. And then you watch it and you're like, sad. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you? This is horrible that I watch the next day, I was like, this is great. These, there needs to be more very realistic, like, movies that aren't trying to sugarcoat things, you know? Yeah. So I don't know why. It is absolutely. Well, you're right, You're right that it's,
1: it, you. it has John Hughes vibes, but it is not John Hughesy, Or it's not. It's not. It's not John Hughes. And I think part of it's like somehow, even though terrible things are happening to some of these characters, they're being cheated on, they're sleeping around with each other's friends, they're getting addicted or <laughs> they, they're getting they're evicted. Trunks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like there's this weird eighties like like sheen that's added onto it that makes it like, "Hey, it's okay. Yeah, you almost coked out, but it's all right.
0: well, I mean, I think like that's I think that's why like some of these movies that have really survived the eighties are so great, and I think that's why John Hughes movies are so great is the eighties like kind of was this lie that everything's great. everything's good, everyone's mm-hmm. good looking, there's enough money for everybody. The Everyth- hot
1: 16 year old guy's gonna come to your birthday yeah. party
0: everything's wonderful like in the 80s that was the whole idea and lie of the 80s but then you had filmmakers like John Hughes that said I'm gonna make a high school movie that's calls out the bullshit of high school yeah or I'm gonna make you know like Joel Schumacher's like this is no one teaches you about life you know like you Mm -hmm. get through college you know the right things and all of a sudden it's like well no one prepared me for any of this you know, and so like It's how we
1: always goes like, why did no one teach us taxes?
0: Yeah, no one taught us taxes. How to buy a car when I first bought a car, yeah. I was very unprepared. Oh, that's very yeah, it's a whole so nightmare. Like telling the person like, I learned calculus. Is that going to help me here? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Algebra. Nope. nope, nope Still no. Nope. Nope. So um yeah, it's 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 wild. So I think I, I I like it for that reason. Um, but uh yeah, anyways, like going back, like Joel Schumacher apparently had a hard time. Getting this made, like he would keep sending the script to studios, yeah, and they would literally say like, "These are all horrible people," (laughs) which of course is like, "No, he's like, no, these are realistic people, yeah, you know, they're not Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Like this is just this. We all went through this, yeah, you know, and you know, but of course, I'm sure some studio guys are like, "Well, no one wants to watch a movie about you know, regular crap, you know," and so well,
1: well, movies often have that it's up and down a lot because you'll get 80s where it's everybody's happy, everything's the good good guys always win, and then you know you get you know. After 9 11, where you have a lot of dark, depressing yeah, movies. Dark, gritty yeah, stuff.
0: and so, yeah, there's ebbs and flows. So he finally gets mm. some studio behind this. And apparently, the only people that uh studio was high on was Demi Moore and Roblo. Romulo was like a teen idol at the time. So well, yeah, like, have yeah, you sure, seen him? Put him in there. Yeah. But even I think he had to fight for the role because Joel Schumacher didn't want him because he was a teen mm, idol. So okay, it's like, okay. but I think he like really lobbied for it and, you know, he does a good job. And so um, I think Joel Schumacher wanted Robert Downey Jr. That's fair um and so i can see that which robert downey jr will get less than zero two years later right. where he plays a drug addicted you know male <laughs> prostitute essentially right out of high school nice. um and it's very dark again a movie that said the 80s drugs decadence but it's horrible so turns uh,
1: out cocaine can kill you
0: <laughs> it turns out it's bad um so uh but like yeah so i guess John Hughes did contact Joel Munger and said, Hey, I just work with these kids. And yeah. These are great. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> throw them right in there. Just got done. Real, real sh- small movie. It's all, you can almost
0: like see him like going, You can have Judd, Allie, and Emilio. Yeah, I
1: keep Molly, though. Molly
0: <laughs> and my, Anthony Michael Hall, though. Those are, I, I got plans for those them. Those are my babies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, um, also, they would have been too young. That's true. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that is Andy true. Andrew McCall was actually, I think, a teenager ish in Breakfast Club, while the or, rest of or, them were like or, 20s.
1: Right. <laughs> that, and that's what's weird is that this movie came out the same year as Breakfast Club. Yeah. So earlier movie. in the year, you watch them as teenagers. And then six months later, maybe they come out as, yep, or yeah, 25 year olds or 22 year olds.
0: Well, I think like, so yeah, in February of 85, mm-hmm. uh, Breakfast Club comes out. Okay. And they're teenagers yeah. in high school, the three of them Emilio, Judd, and Allie. And then in June of 85, St. Elmo's Fire comes out. Now they're like post-college adults. Yeah, But to me, I think that shows the acting range of the three. Now, Emilio, no. I don't think has as, He doesn't show as much rain. No. He's a great he, actor. It, he,
1: he's in danger of being in a different movie.
0: Yeah, he really is. If you watch St. Elmo's Fire, he's kind of in his own comedy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like he's literally trying to chase the Andy gets- McDowell's doctor.
0: The rest are having real... The rest of the movie (laughs) is having real problems. You know, like, you have... I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've never heard a phrase like that, and that's really good. <laughs> he is. He's in his own movie. It's a little wild. Like, Jud- like he's
1: doing, like, a high school crush creeping on this gr- lady.
0: Well, like, it's Judd Nelson's, like, cheating on his, like, longtime girlfriend that he's trying to marry, and he thinks marriage will fix his infidelity. Meanwhile, right. Andrew McCarthy's in love with her, and he's gonna sleep with her, you know? And then, like, Demi Moore's just on tons of drugs sleeping and, with her boss yeah and she has no money and she's going to try and kill herself out of this movie meanwhile emilio's problem is he's obsessed with this girl he had one date with his freshman year of college
1: <laughs> and they've met po- four years later and
0: he just goes on a comedic like quest it's uh, wild it is it is wild it i i do i've never thought about the fact <clears throat> that Emilio about a third of the movie and just goes into his own
1: and it's the most ridiculous <laughs> and there are some ridiculous moments where because like she comes in after that he didn't she didn't show up to the party or whatever or something. Yeah. And she's just like, you know, she's talking about how she worries about it being too much about money. And he's like, money, that's what you want. All right, I'll go get that. And you're like, she literally, what, you're, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> what movie are he, you in? He's like
0: a law student who's in like, I'm going to become a pre-med. Or like, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to medical school. And then she's like, oh, that's not good enough. Okay, I'm going to be like this attaché or what attaché yeah. to this Korean businessman. So I'll make money. And then he just ends up back in law school at the end of the uh, movie spoilers um but loves hard so it's a 37 year old movie so spoilers um it's uh i do i love it it's great um i do think that this is the brat pack movie for adults okay i think it's the one i think there's a chronological order that you're supposed to grow up with the brat pack movies i think it starts with 16 candles okay that's his like i think that's john hughes's and the brat packs most like teen movie yeah it's just it's like the most like Molly Ringwald is that high schooler who's self-conscious about her body jealous of the really popular girl she has a crush on the jock the pretty boy yeah you know Jake Ryan and by all means he's attractive and Jake Ryan's a strong (laughs) freaking name it's true every time I hear Jake Ryan I'm like my name is dang it Corey yeah Like, What the hell? <laughs> so, like, anyways, which is a very '80s name, but it's like, true. it's, it's true. not the right kind of '80s <laughs> name. So, one of them's dead, and the other one's trying to be Michael Jackson. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, named after, yeah. and so, um. But uh, and and, and and like, you don't like your parents. High schools, you know, it's just you're always trying to fit in. You're trying mm-hmm. to be popular. Blah blah blah. Breakfast Club is like your high school movie, where it's like you try to outgrow Sixteen Candles, yeah. which is okay there's a lot of bullshit to high school yes all right the clicks the like the identities that you get assigned all that stuff it just tries to dismantle all that mm-hmm. small flaw with ellie sheedy's arc <clears <clears <throat> just a bit just <laughs> uh, so small kind of goes against the entire theme of the right. movie kind of but, ruins all right. it, but, and know. so um but like that's the one yeah. where you should be required to watch breakfast club your ninth grade year of high school okay and just be like forget all the shit that you think is going to be required of you that's like, fair and just and just be a normal person yeah like just don't be a dick. Yeah, like, for the next four years, it's really not hard,
1: guys. Treat everyone cool. Yeah, just you know? be cool.
0: Like, cool. That guy plays football. Guess what? There's like a ninety percent chance he won't in college. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, oh, you're in band. There's a ninety percent chance you won't be in band in college. There's
1: a ninety percent chance this will not dictate your life after yeah. these years.
0: None of you are doing any of this for a living, probably. probably and so, not. um, and then like, uh, then I think next is Pretty in Pink, where okay. it kind of revert back from that, and it. You kind of like I think it's like the hipster like senior year. Okay. Like or college year Breakfast Club. It's like you're kind of too cool for everything. Yeah. You're you ready know? to get and out. You think you figured it out. And yeah. you think you're above all that. Yeah. Like Breakfast Club turns you into that pretentious douche. <laughs> <laughs> like like I got I figured out. That's pretty in pink. You know? Okay. And okay. so like and you and you, you kind of like you you think that you like became uh above all that. And you don't realize that you fell back into the whole identity thing just on a different level, like in a different game, you know? Yeah. It's not jocks and nerds. It's like, but now it's like who listens to what right like vinyl and like <laughs> dresses in vintage thrift store clothes. And like that <laughs> becomes an identity you don't you're not even aware of it because you're just so far up your own ass. That's pretty in pain. And then they're saying almost fire. <laughs> all right. And that's the adult one. That's just where all of a sudden all that comes crashing down and you realize none of that prepared you for adulthood.
1: At at all. True. That's true. At all. Yeah, none of it. Your friend's sleeping with your girlfriend. <laughs> this one's doing drugs. This guy has like a wife with a kid and, and <laughs> dating, dating your other friend who's never the had sex. The player
0: in our group friend has tried to sexually assault everyone in our friend group. <laughs> and we're, honestly, I think we're all a little relieved he got on a bus to New York. <laughs> like, we're like at the end, we're like, oh, thank goodness. God, Billy's uh, gone.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> we Couldn't whew. even go out anymore.
0: Well, we don't have to babysit that guy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you almost wonder if those six people just didn't thrive after the saxophone player left. Where they're like, "Wow, he spent a lot of energy taking care of that guy.
1: I could be, I could be advancing in my career. I could he be left making his art." Wife and
0: child, and we're just kind of like clapping for him. Like, good job. Like, it's the whole end scene. But is But it's, that- it's, it's like it is the responsible thing. Yeah, I but- guess he pretty much says like, "I'm never gonna grow up." Yeah, his line is literally post-college life isn't for me and it's like well what are you gonna do kill yourself because you're in post-college life. yeah well, like, welcome <laughs> that's the rest of life <laughs> and so but he's like i'm gonna go to new york and play my sax and they're all like they didn't really stop him from being right the bus. no they that's did not they, they were, were like, like okay stay. they were like
1: but they acted like he was <laughs> like the base of all of their problems even like been they're all still kind of hanging out like we're still gonna be like she's she's talking to both guys going we're still gonna be friends right and they're like Yeah, and you and I both went. That's not that's not last. Oh,
0: no, these guys are these guys were they have a blood feud now, yeah, no, yeah, like those guys never talk to each other again. But again, I think that's the movie. The movie, again, is that where you essentially saw the first casualty of their friend group, and a year later, they're not going to be friends, or like you know, within two years, like they're going to eventually move off or fall away into these other things, right? Yeah, and so, um, I love it because, um, Nick. I th- I asked you in the movie if you like relate to the Judd Nelson character at all.
1: Only I had to think about it because I was like, "What do you What are you trying to say, Corey?" Which,
0: again, <laughs> I think if you watch Breakfast Club in this movie back to back, you really appreciate Judge Nelson. Oh yeah, and, and, and it's it's baffling to me. This guy's not like a George Clooney. Like he he acts so well. Yeah, he's my favorite part of this movie, and it's all because I really appreciate facial acting. Mm-hmm. And he does. He gets a lot of close ups. He's really acting with his eyes. I think it's great. Um, but like. He's the you know in Breakfast Club he's the wrong side of the tracks bully yeah you know high school bully and then here he's the pompous rich kid I'm gonna grow up to be a career politician it's mm-hmm. complete they like all three Breakfast Club kids play go against a type. type yeah you know it's it's wild and so um but he's the core member of the group and I was like Nick do you relate to being a core member of a group a little bit because I feel like a you're a core member of your friend group oh it's yeah that's fair that's but fair to I'm, say I'm like halfway in yeah friend group yeah so.
1: You have the ability to come and go as you please, you know. Yeah,
0: but uh, yeah. Like, and I, and, it, 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 and I think it's I think the movie does a good job of capturing friend groups in that way. That if you look at friend groups, and we've all we all see other friend groups, there's always a core person. Yeah, There's it's the one the...
1: that's kind of tied it like because this person, this person may not actually be friends, but because mm-hmm. they're like, well, he's my friend, yeah. so I'm gonna so I hang out with this person, so I kind of know them pretty well. Yeah, and then slowly you either become friends or it's. But well, sometimes so, it's like you, if that main person is gone, like they just don't hang out.
0: Yeah. It, it, and I, you are that person, I think, for the respective friend group Yeah, um, that I do come in and out of. Um, I'm like Pluto.
1: Yeah. yeah you know, he, he, sometimes, sometimes you're. Sometimes th- I'm a planet. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> sometimes I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. Uh, sometimes I'm a, what is it? A I'm, on <laughs> I'm on this side.
1: I'm on this side.
0: So, um, but yeah, I do think to tie this to the introduction that St. Almost Fire is a great fall movie. Okay. It is. Yeah. In like, obviously, it's set in the fall. There's like leaves everywhere. I think it's the beginning of like college.
1: But Corey, there's there's snow.
0: When they go to the mountains, who has mountains with snow? I mean, I genuinely, I mean, like, I'm trying to think. It's set in Washington D.C. because it's at Georgetown University.
1: That's a good question. Like, where are there are the, I mean, Appalachians? the Appalachians are right there, right? But are they snowy? Are they I big enough?
0: I've never been there. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm assuming it's snow has everything to do with like high altitude, right? Sure. I mean, it's always snowing on Everest. Right. 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 Yeah. But so yeah. I mean. I don't know. You can't blame it. Listen, fall cozies up to winter, and it's at the end of the movie. You're right. Okay. All right. All right. right. But they say four months after graduating. They graduated in May. It's now fall. Okay. Okay. There you go. And I think we're supposed to believe that it's the beginning of the next school year, because there's students around. Right. That's when reality really hits. Yeah.
1: Once the the next generation basically is doing their classes. You see the
0: college happening around, you're like, oh, I'm not in it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's like oh, those bastards, they're being told what to do and nobody's telling me what to do. <laughs> I've been told what to do my whole life and all of a sudden they're like, eh, you're an adult yeah, now. Figure it out. We just gave you a piece of paper, use it. Congrats. I, what do I do, put in a machine? I don't, what?
1: Most Mostly no. hanging on a wall.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, But I do have a top five fall movies. Okay. Excluding St. Almost Fire because it's clearly my favorite. Okay. It's my favorite right. movie, okay. so it okay. has to be. Fair. But my other, fi- I have a five, a top five fall movies. Lay it on me. Just to say that there is a genre. Okay. Um. My honorable mentions were October Sky Mystic Pizza. I will say that. Okay. And Mystic Pizza just got booted by a very recent film, Knives Out.
1: Oh yeah. Knives, Knives Out, Out's a, a, good, good, a good. It's a good fall, good fall film. Movie. Yeah.
0: Just for Chris's Sweaters Alone. Yes. <laughs>
1: the Sweaters Alone like a lot of iconography being built around the, a coffee cup yeah. and she's just like at the end there.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just just Captain America's sweater commercial. It's just you're like "Mm, fall.
1: It made made (laughs) everyone want to buy sweaters.
0: (laughs) Uh, Goodwill hunting.
1: That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, It's just
0: phenomenal. Um, I, 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 it was between Goodwill hunting or Dead Poet Society. I I would, I would lean Dead Poet Society myself. I know you. You know. You know. But, but I just went with Goodwill hunting. Uh, Just gonna shout out my boy Tanner. Just okay. Nothing, okay. You know, which okay. I think he also loves Dead Poet Society. So never mind. That yeah, you're you're, you're splitting him. Yeah. <laughs> um. Remember the Titans. <laughs> yes. We had a small conversation about whether or not this counts. You said it counts. I think it does. It has. It, it, it has a very orange color. Very much color so. And,
1: and football is a part of fall. Yeah. Like people think fall, they think football season.
0: I think my fear was if I include Remember the Titans, it's like well, they have to include every fo- is every football movie no. now game. No, no,
1: no, no, because no. I would say Remember the Titans, yes. Any given Sunday, no, 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 no.
0: Even Varsity Blues doesn't really feel fall. Which is set in Texas. It's more, we don't get fall, yeah. So. It's more
1: college, just party, high school yeah. vibes. It doesn't really tie, even though it is about a football season. It doesn't tie yeah. itself to it. I mean,
0: it's clearly fall, but it's in Texas, and yeah. fall doesn't exist there. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit of a, a hidden gem, a George Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer vehicle called oh. One Fine Day. Oh, not they Batman a, Returns. No, okay. they made so. a uh, romantic keen. comedy. So one fine day. Yeah, um, in the nineties, and it's New York in the fall. Oh. And it's great. Probably. It's a delightful film.
1: I think that's, honestly, that's the best way to describe fall for most people. It's like, a lot of these movies, like, they can be seen as, like, comfort films. And I think that's it's, what it is. It's almost easy listening music. A you know, lot, sometimes. But
0: again, so, like, I would say that, like, Father of <clears> the <throat> Bride is a comfort film, but it, nothing about it says fall to me.
1: True. It's more spring. It's it spring vibes. It's, spring. Yeah.
0: it's because it's, oh, spring Marriage, you know, and, Marriage, and, and babies beginnings. and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, And then Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. I think is the all time.
1: Okay. Like.
0: Besides animals, the Fire.
1: only ones that I had listed that I don't think you listed were Sleepy Hollow. Like it, it rides the line between fall and uh, Halloween, hallow- Halloween, in October, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I, I always had it just as an honorary mention because it's not a movie; it's a limited series. Over the Garden Wall is this car- animated series that Cartoon Network threw out one time. Very fall aesthetic. Corey, Corey is arguing my my final pick of the Fellowship of the Ring being a fall movie.
0: I don't think Middle Earth has seasons,
1: but it feels like fall in Fellowship. I think.
0: I guess, but that's like Rivendell, right? No, I'm just, I just—I feel like just wrong. Rivendell's just like, I feel like, okay, listen, I just feel like seasons are geographical in Middle Earth. It's always <laughs> freaking fall in Rivendell. I don't think it ever snows. I don't think it's too hot. I think if you go to Mordor, it's always summer. Well, it's always black. And it's hot always and summer. summer. It's hot. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's summer in Texas. It's Mordor. I don't think it ever gets snow or Christmassy, <laughs> you know? And so that's, that's what I feel like. I'm just saying.
1: Listen. I'm and, just,
0: hey, listen, you want to crap on uh, St. Elmo's Fire? Uh, there's a lot of snow in Fellowship of the Ring. Because they're, they're on mountains. Because
1: mountain. <laughs> they're on mountains, Corey. So do you get we, it now? We've just, we figured it? it. We got it together. <laughs>
0: All right. So, um, I mean, yeah, but you're right. There's some there's some fall vibes. Okay. I guess the Shire's kind of very fall, It's
1: it's, a, it's, it's the transition into them running to the woods. Yeah. And pretty much from after the first, when the second act kicks in, that's pretty much. It really hits those fall vibes What's that
0: like dirty bar town they hit when they meet aragorn
1: oh the Prancing pony yeah, yeah that place yeah, whatever yeah. that
0: town was that's like spring it's just rainy well, <laughs> yeah it's like april may uh <laughs> so that's what i'm saying i'm just saying i think it's a little geographical and so whatever okay I, don't know. Agre- I actually looked it up there are elvish words for the seasons <laughs> so i guess seasons exist and i couldn't pronounce them or i would try um but yeah 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 so um uh I like that. I like that. Corey, um, I'm going to
1: ask you. We, we didn't go over uh, any uh, useless critic stats. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you want me to run, run you down with your favorite movie's critic stats? Yeah, forgive me. I'm sorry. This is my uh, favorite movie, so I, I just started
0: I, just going.
1: I'm just worried it's going to hurt.
0: Uh, listen, I already know Ebert hated this movie. Okay. And so screw it, Ebert.
1: Okay. All right. Well, okay. Got, good, got, it's an enemy again. Got good energy going in. Okay. So so St. EMMO's Fire w- was given on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 42 critic and a 68 fan. Uh, ratings. On Metacritic, it has a thirty-five out of hundred, a six point eight from audience members, and then IMDB or excuse me, Letterboxd gives it a three out of five.
0: I think this movie unfairly lives in the shadow of Breakfast Club. Oh yeah. Oh, That's yeah. what it
1: is. It's the you watch Breakfast Club and it's so it's so well known that people go, hey, did you know they made another movie? And they're like, what? Same year what? Oh yeah, I've heard of that movie. Not many people actually have sat down and watched it, yeah. I think.
0: And like, and listen, I, like, I. Do you judge me for saying Settle My Fire is my favorite movie?
1: I just need to know more. See,
0: and I think that's what it is because even I and mm. we were watching this. We decided to watch this together before because you said you had watched it before. True. And then you kept asking me questions the whole movie. (laughs) It's been a minute. You're like, wait, I've slept since then, Corey. Wait, what happens here? And it's like you said you watched this, so I don't think Nick really watched it before. I'm not even sure how much you watched it tonight. I I was laptop. observant. I was t- I was taking notes. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm pretty sure Nick was watching Netflix on his laptop. <laughs> just watching
1: something else. Watching <laughs> Look, Breakfast Club again.
0: And so, oh, yeah. I'm like over there. He has a good line. He's like, "Well, what do you say? What you say?" <laughs> but uh um I uh I do think it does live in the shadow of that and my recommendation to people is watch it twice. I hated it the first time. Then yeah, you just watch it again and then you like
1: it. Well, I think also being at the age that we are that it's it hits different. It does. Because even in, when we watched it, I think the last time was kind of in college or right post-college, but it was we were still very much in the throes of it. So now as an adult, adult, you sit there and go, oh, yeah, this is true.
0: It is and i mean, and again like I'll be a little biased but my thing is is like I even acknowledge that it's not a perfect movie. Like there's flaws in there. Like I've even poked fun at it since we started recording a little bit. Like okay. the Emilio has his weird side quest. A third of the way of the movie he like separates from the rest of the group and we don't see him with the group of friends until the end. That's true. Yeah, he, yeah. he goes on his own quest. And so um he's that guy in D&D that doesn't play with the rest of the team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's see what Steven is up to over there.
0: But we're on this side of the map, and I don't know why you're over there, but okay. <laughs> and so, um, but like, you know, and I, I think it has a third act that struggles. Like I, like I told you that I think like Rob Lowe and Mary Wingham ending up at the end, like together at the end, Wendy and uh, Billy. Ending up, I felt like that was a reshoot. I feel like that was like a studio saying like, we can't end on a bad note. And so the last couple of scenes feel a little dumb.
1: It's like, we're going to give them kind of a happy ending, yeah. but not really.
0: And, and, and like, that's it. And I just think like there was maybe some hesitation there to end on a a, a very realistic idea of like, which I do, I, I don't really hate the last scene, even though it does seem like, well, of course, Andrew McCarthy and Judd Nelson are not going to keep being friends. Yeah. Andrew McCarthy just slept with Judd Nelson's girlfriend. <laughs> and Judd Nelson's girlfriend found out that Judd Nelson's been sleeping with lots of, it's like it's a, it's all, no one's friends. No one's, no one's walking out of this. Like, these are some deep wounds. Exactly. You know, and I get that they laugh it off. But again, I do think there's enough of an air. Left to go, like, this is the end of their friendship. Yeah. Like, maybe they're saying crap, but like, even them saying, like, well, we're not going to go back to this bar, yeah, and we're going to get a new bar. It's like, yeah, we're all going to get new lives. So, but I don't like that Billy sleeps with Wendy. I feel like that was Crowbarden. Yeah, it's like they yeah. needed some sort of resolution there. And I feel like just kissing her on the forehead at the bus stop, I'm not saying anything would have been what they needed completely was, listen, what they needed
1: was a little sex in this movie. All right, <laughs> we
0: needed one nipple, <laughs> we needed. We needed Mary Wingham's nipple. That's all. That's what someone said. They said, there's no nipples in this movie. <laughs> it's 1985. There's a
1: mm. bunch of 25-year-olds there, and they're not naked.
0: Yeah. So um, that's it. And yeah. so um, uh, I some of the crazy things about this movie is that Wendy, the actress, uh, Mary Wingham, was pregnant while playing a virgin. Oh. And she's actually quite <laughs> old in the rest of the cast. She already had two kids. So okay. She was, like, she was into life. She did not actually have a St. almost Fire type of problem. I don't know how she got cast in this movie. She, like, was thriving it's like i'm a working actress and i have a family it's like i figured life out
1: i'm good i don't she's like did not relate i'm to not these dealing with this at all at all we'll pay you money uh, okay she's all like right. wait
0: 20 year olds go through this like they don't just come out of college they know exactly what they're gonna do and go
1: do and it and just and just nail it
0: Moore's like no
1: people struggle it's really hard out there you're really lucky you're then, fortunate
0: the and like probably one of the most haunting things about this movie is demi moore is really going through a drug problem On the set Uh, of this movie. Like Joel Schumacher like had her kicked off set and pretty much said, You have to go to rehab and they had to have like a drug counselor on set with her while forcing her to play a drug addict.
1: Amazing. It's really haunting. That's that's wild. (laughs) Which is like when she
0: answers the phone, it's like waste all this good Coke and like licks her lips. It's like she's probably probably actually right
1: there. (laughs) You're doing so good. How are you finding this relatable? Well, you know, uh Uh, so
0: yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um but like uh I think the last thing I'll say before uh, Maybe we uh, look at a fresh cast for this. Okay. Um, for this minisode is three things. <clears throat> this the is last the thing best is... John Hughes movie. Okay. That John Hughes has nothing to do.
1: With. That's fair because there were so many like people that tried to like make yeah. make another Breakfast Club or make a John Hughes movie yeah. and they failed miserably. I
0: mean, he recommended some actors, but like I feel like this is the best one. Yeah, I really do. I just I, it's, it's it's wild. And so uh, also I'll say this as a brat pack aficionado. Okay. Molly Ringwald usually gets pegged as like the face and I think the core, the crux of the Brat Pack. I disagree. Okay. I think Andrew McCarthy is the heart and soul of the Brat Pack.
1: But he's only, he's in, he's in this one. What else is he in? He's in, uh,
0: he's in class, he's in less than zero. Um, he's in well, mannequin, which is in a. Brat so we're not pack just movie.
1: talking like obviously we're not just talking John Hughes movies, but he's just
0: no. And that's what I'm saying. Well, the Brat Pack. I'm saying yeah. the Brat Pack as a whole. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, yeah. He's weirdly like he's not in the Breakfast Club. He's not in 16 Candles, and he's not in Pretty in Pink. You know, those. Are, that's the Molly Ringwald trilogy. And Anthony Michael Hall is the only one that really <clears throat> kind of goes through those. Yeah. But I think Andrew McCarthy had like I think I just feel like he's the guy.
1: Like he's he, he's of the Brat the, Pack. He's the friend that glues it all together. I think so. Okay. I okay. really
0: do. I don't know why, but every time I'm like, I'm like, I just like Andrew McCarthy more, you know. And he isn't, he isn't pretty and pink. He's the rich okay. guy. Yeah, that's what I was yeah, trying to remember. He is the rich guy. Yes. In there, okay. Um, that uh, Molly Ringwald ends up with instead of John Cryer. Yes. Um, because that's live.
1: That's true. That's <laughs> so, true.
0: Um, and so uh, I I just need to say that the only other um thing that you and I both noticed watching this movie tonight is that um. Nineteen eighty five was uh, saxophone heavy.
1: Very sax heavy. Lots of even entire- we weren't seeing sex, we were seeing sax.
0: Yeah, this entire like sa- like the entire score of this movie is a saxophone. Yes, there's a sweet saxophone solo in there by Robs like Rob Lowe. Yeah, nineteen eighty four had Careless Whisper, which I think might be where it started.
1: The saxophone song. Yeah, I yeah. think
0: Careless Whisper might have started something, which snowballs eventually into the saxophone guy. In the Lost Boys, right, which has its own scene. Yes, that guy still shows up at horror. There's cons. no logic for him being there. That guy has a career just going to horror movie cons and playing that song.
1: That's ridiculous. In those
0: pants. And it's like,
1: he's probably 60 now.
0: He is, he's old, but he's, and he's kind of like old man buff. Yeah, he's really buff. Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he's
1: still, he's still buff. Okay, yeah, yeah. got it, got it. Um, no, yeah, the 80s are the only place, the only decade that really, the 90s. There's a little room for some sax, but the '80s was just built for it. It's the you know, its its where the saxophone peaked.
0: It's like '84 to '88 probably had like a really the best that was run. The run. Yeah, that was the run. Mm-hmm. And so i don't know if Kenny G plays saxophone or if just a saxophone-related instrument, but he's in there. You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> he's in there. So um, that's gonna be the beginning somewhere. Um, also, this movie coined the term the Brat Pack.
1: This one coined yes, the back. R- l- so l- l- the, l- the, the New Yorker pack. article okay.
0: that coined the term, because it was actually a guy, and I've read this article, it's phenomenal, who went and was like, hey, these kids are making a lot of movies and making noise. He went and interviewed them, yeah. and they were making this movie, and the same almost fire pictures used. And, like, you read this article, and, like, honestly, Judd Nelson and Emilio and Robert, these guys were dicks. Like, they were just, like, young guys that made yeah. it, and they were, like, pretentious about mm-hmm. it. Like, they were, it's almost like if someone, I think, interviewed Rob Pattinson now. Yeah. Or when he was 20. Like, it's just probably that guy that's like, yeah, we're young, and we're, the, we're, we're like, screw Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, we're what's next.
1: We're the, we're the <laughs> new guys. Yeah. yeah. And
0: so, it's, like, respect. I think I like, and I think that's what I like about the Brat Pack, is Hollywood actors are often just a bunch of liars. Like th- th- it's all fake, it's all yeah. phony. They have their narratives, and it's just like you don't know who they really are. The Brat Pack was very openly like, "Okay, no, we're just this is who dudes, we are. We're really good actors, yeah. And, you know, and they were like sleeping with women, and they were talking about it. <laughs> and so, and this guy like he coined the term to be a negative thing, and they all took it as negative. Like they're like they hated being called the Brat Pack. Okay, and so that's why I say it incessantly, but. <laughs> I hope John Nelson is like, mother effer. <laughs>
1: How many times?
0: <laughs> so, um, all right. You want to cast this thing? Sure. Because I was thinking we'd take this to the late 90s.
1: Okay. okay. I feel
0: like if St. Elmo's Fire was going to be just to another year. And again, guys, this isn't a traditional episode. There's no director. It's the it's, dream it's cast, just, yeah. This is conversation.
1: Loose, loose, loose rules here. The
0: reason we're doing my all-time favorite movie in a minisode is because I just don't trust it in the normal process. I don't want <laughs> Nick... Ash or Cass near my favorite movie, picking actors that I have no control over. I just don't trust it with the one override, and and no, no, I'm not not having it, so.
1: And that's why we have Quantum Dreamcast. So
0: that's why we're here. So we're just going to reimagine what maybe uh, St. Elmo's Fire looked like in the late 90s, because I think the late 90s is the only other time you had a Brat Pack-esque happening. A bunch of young 20-somethings. Teenager,
1: well, well, perceived making yeah. teen movies, making yeah, making teen
0: movies, and they were all kind of interchangeably in the same movies, you right. know, and like, yeah. and so I was like, I think it's a good time, for you sure, know? for sure. All right.
1: So I do have, I believe you had enlisted me with seven.
0: I did. I just figured we'd do the same yeah. unless you have a Dale B- Bieberman because she's the only other character. I do have
1: a Dale Bieberman for you and it's just, it was just very quick casting. Uh, the, the actress, the, the character played by Andy McDowell, the doctor. Yes. Um, I just put Tiffany Theus in there.
0: You're saved by the bill thing, huh?
1: I did, yeah. Yeah, that's what I did.
0: I don't hate it.
1: Cause, cause she, she'll be she'll be a little older than the, than most the yeah, most she, of the cast. She, she was but... a
0: senior when they were all freshmen. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So.
1: All right. Just playing off, yeah, playing off that s- say by the bell crush everybody had.
0: I don't, I didn't, I didn't do a Dale Biberman, but if I had to like come off the cuff, real yeah. quick, okay. Probably, I don't know how old she was, but I would probably go like a Drew Barrymore.
1: Okay, okay. Drew Barrymore. I, I, don't I see Drew Barrymore as a doctor. I don't see her as a doctor. She played
0: a high schooler in Scream in ninety six, ninety seven. She can do this. So sure. she could still play like a post college. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I... she was
0: in her 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You don't interesting. See as a I doctor. don't see her as a doctor. Yeah. I see her as like a therapist. You
0: don't see her as like, like kind of a lovable doctor? Like that uh, would be kind like of a like a children's
1: doctor, maybe? Yeah, maybe, sure. Yeah. She's a pediatrician.
0: Okay. Okay. But we don't know what kind of doctor Annie McDowell was. No. It's... She seemed kind of like an urgent care. Yeah, like, like surgery or something. Yeah. She seemed like she was there in the. She's making action. the big buck score. Yeah. She couldn't even have lunch. kept getting calls. That's true. She was was an important doctor. You're right. All right. I don't care. I had to go off the cuff. Drew Barrymore is who I would put. All right. So in no particular order, let's start with Wendy Beamish, originally played by Mary Wingham. Okay. All right. Um, And she is the um, kind of the uh, ugly duckling of the group.
1: I would yeah. She... kind of her
0: whole arc. She's uh, self-conscious about her body. She's in this toxic relationship with her saxophone playing friend Billy, who mm-hmm. she knows is married and that's a kid. But um, what she's really doing, she's trying to escape the antiquated uh, ideologies of her family. Yes. Um, who thinks she should just marry the first dude. <laughs> Mainly marry their pick and yeah. that you learn to love them.
1: Like, it's very old traditional style marriage thing. Yeah. And sh- and her, sh- her dad is not listening to her the entire no. movie. He's
0: like, he's like, oh, you can quit your job when you get pregnant. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Sir. Even for 85. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Wow. Working Girl's a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, listen, Gordon Weaver's brought us a long way, buddy. Like,
1: <laughs> chill out here. So,
0: yeah. So, who do you have?
1: Um,. I had a hard time finding anybody that was like super prevalent at that period of time. So I'm just going to bring you a young Sarah Paulson. You
0: I know, recognize the name. I'm the having name, a hard time. She's
1: mostly up. tied to the American Horror Story stuff now. She's the uh, light brunette actress. Um, she's She's been in lots of things. She's she's active in the 90s, but she's not in a big movie uh, or anything. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she, she has an off-kilterness about her. And so I think, I think that that would play well with this role.
0: I don't know, man. She's got some serious cheekbones. I don't think she'd have been self conscious at all.
1: It's called acting, Corey. <laughs> acting. She's she's kind of mousy in her and like yeah, kinda, yeah. I get what you're saying yeah. for sure.
0: Okay, so I've like because this is my favorite movie. I had a hard time. I had like multiple names for all these. So I'm gonna tell you what I did. I had Robin Tooney here. Oh, uh, I thought about her. Okay, okay all you know right. she yeah, the yeah. craft. Yeah, yeah. she always played like the alternative kind of sure, you sure. know dark one. Uh, I had. Heather Matarazzo, um, which she, that's what she did in the 90s. She played um, the squeaky voice, like loser and everything. Okay. And so, um, but you know who I'm going to give it to? Because I, I don't think she ever got her shot. I don't think she got a real shot other than Drive Me Crazy, Melissa Joan Hart.
1: Nice. Okay. All right. And
0: Melissa Joan Hart was kind of miscast in Drive Me Crazy as the popular girl. So uh, like, come on, dude. You're she's Larissa. A,
1: she, yeah, she's relatable. She's too relatable. Yeah, you're
0: too relatable to be the, the popular girl. You know, girl. She,
1: she was the yearbook girl yeah, in, and, and, in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Like, it I'm going to give it to Joan
0: Hart. We're going to give her some serious stuff to do here. Okay.
1: All right. So, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. All I would, right. I, yeah. I, I would say she's more traditionally, like, pretty, as opposed to our uh, Mayor Winningham was in He's the threw original. Me
0: Sarah Cheekbone Paulson.
1: She has cheekbones, okay? <laughs> she has
0: cheekbones for miles. <clears throat> All right. So, like, listen, you can give Joan Hart.
1: Uh, okay. All right. All right.
0: All right. Kirby Kager, which is played by Emilio Estevez. He apparently gets top billing in the movie because they went alphabetical order. He's Martin Sheen's kid, but you know that's. Uh, didn't
1: didn't you change your name? Uh, no, I don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> so, that uh, didn't happen at all.
0: So, uh, but we're going to give him kind of low casting just because he is an aside artist.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got his whole other world going he's on. He's Got a really
0: strong scene with Andrew McCarthy at the beginning, and then he goes on his own quest. So,
1: Corey, I pulled out. Uh, all, this there may be just a bunch of people from. Uh, Can't hardly wait that I, I wasn't knew, even I thinking knew about you were it. Just going
0: to pilfer from Can't hardly I Wade. don't. I
1: don't think so, but but this one is Brecken Meyer is my. Kirby
0: Key Meyer's solid. I think you consider Breckenmeyer. He's going to
1: nail this whole subplot like 100%. And you're going to like him, even though he's doing like all this random stuff. You're going, this dude's crazy.
0: I don't hate it. Yeah. I do not hate it. He's got a a likableness about him. Okay. So I thought about Mark Wahlberg for a second, but I think he might be a little old.
1: He's right around this age. He's right around this age, but I think he
0: comes off old. Okay. Because well, he was in Fear with Reese Witherspoon, which yeah. like, he's essentially him just stalking a high school girl right, and right. becoming murderous. But I think he's supposed to be like a young adult in there, but he comes off old. Okay. He okay. comes off as 30. And so um, if we were doing like a 94, 95, I would totally let Matthew Lillard have fun with this role. <laughs> but I would let Matthew Lillard have fun with most of these roles. That, that's true. If this was a 94, yeah. 95 okay. type, of, type of situation. But because we're at where we're at, like late 90s, I'm saying like 98, 99, I'm going JGL.
1: Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Dang. He's going to be the young one in the group. He is. <clears throat> How old is he going to be at that point?
0: He's going to be like 20, 21, That's something. That's
1: really
0: He just made a... And this, this, is making, uh, well, this is the time he's making... Third uh, the This is the time he's making Thin Things 8 About You. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he's playing a high schooler.
1: He's playing a freshman high schooler. It doesn't
0: matter. He'll be fine. <laughs> all,
1: right, all, right, all right. All right. He'll all right, be all fine. All right. All right. All right. Who's next?
0: Uh, Let's do Kevin Dolan's. Andrew McCarthy's Andrew McCarthy. Okay. Andrew McCarthy, like probably like my favorite character in yeah. this movie outside of, well, it's going to be between him and Alec Newberry, but I like this character a lot.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's, he's the, fa- he's kind of the witty one. He makes the f- fun cracks and stuff. He's got dark humor, just his oh, yeah. old he's outlook on life. Oh yeah, he's get out. Yeah. You know, everybody but, thinks he's gay. But he does like the perfect, like he, you genuinely believe he does have a thing for uh, Ally Sheedy's Leslie. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Corey, I'm, this is the, probably the oldest person I'm casting this movie at this point. I'm giving you Paul Rudd.
0: Well, Paul Rudd,
1: he was in Clueless. He's old. Yeah, he's a little older. He's going to be closer to 30 at this point. And, but the rest of the people I'm choosing are like <sighs> mid-20s and down. I
0: don't hate it just because I know that like Paul Rudd's aging well. Yeah. So he's kind of... He I mean, play... he just
1: did Romeo and Juliet like not too long yeah. ago. Like he
0: couldn't He couldn't do high school, but he could do yeah. college. Right, and right. And it'd, it'd be somewhat believable. Mm-hmm. All right. This one was tough for me. I'm, I had five names. I'm okay. kicking out Michael Rosenbaum, and I'm kicking out Devin Sawa. Okay. And I'm kicking out Heath Ledger. Yeah, Devin Sawa those, was super young. They're all out. Yeah. Well, Devin Sawa was just now making SLC Punk. I yeah. think he's fine. Why are you, why are you just Listen, age-shaming my cast? I'm, just, I'm <laughs> so, just saying. I'm
1: just throwing it out there.
0: It came down to Ethan Embry <laughs> okay. of Can't Hardly Wait or Giovanni Ribisi.
1: Mm, okay. Who'd I you go with?
0: thinking I'm giving it to Giovanni Rabisi. Okay.
1: All right. all right. That's fun. Get you a little... A little uh, more wisecracking in that. That's or? what I th-
0: He's dark. Giovanni Ribisi knows how to be kind of dark.
1: Yeah, he so, does. Yeah, I
0: like. He's he's my guy. Plus, this. he's in
1: smoke at Aces, so uh, he's yeah,
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's just Giovanni Ribisi. So, um, all right. Leslie Hunter, as played by Ali Sheedy.
1: Okay, this one I struggled with a little bit. I thought about Linda Cardellini. Okay, but I'm gonna give you Carrie Russell instead. A Felicity Russell, you know, not and bad. and a waitress later on in thousand seven. I think she just has that. She can have that kind of like, not, it's it's a it's a bit of girl next door, but it's just like the more calm, reserved, uh, loving character that's like, but still wanting to be her her own person because that's the whole issue. She doesn't want to just be the wife to Alec Newberry. She wants to like be Leslie Hunter and have a career still and stuff.
0: I like it. So. I like it. Reese Witherspoon was a little too young. A little bit. Uh, there, I, I admitted that one. Okay, all she, right. It election Admitting's around this step. time. Okay, and uh, I love election, but I just I can't see her. I, I think she's good for the character, but just too young. Yeah, I'm with Nev Campbell.
1: Nev Campbell. Okay. Like, yeah. Let's give her no, a little. Like, let's yeah.
0: give her a little meat to chew on. Besides running away from a guy at a mask. Yeah. To, you know to be
1: honest, yeah, we gotta give her something else to do. You know, she she, she deserves more. She didn't
0: get good shots no. until after. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. And so and you know and she's like in that weird 90s noir movie Wild Things that's just famous for Denise Richard's boobs. Oh. And like that's all it was famous for. Like oh oh yeah, 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 Dylan, yeah 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 yeah. And she's like she I think that's the most meat that Nev Campbell got in that era to do because it was like the one movie she made that outside of Scream. Yeah she so, got kind of
1: picked as the final girl just yeah. like the, thro- the heart throb.
0: Yeah so alright let's do Jules Van Patten which Van Patten's never said in the movie. But yeah, it, yeah, in the script, she is given the Damn. name Juliana Van Patten. Okay, because she goes by Jules. I- IMDb,
1: she's the only one that has no second yeah. name.
0: No. no, her name, her last name only appears in the script, never in dialogue in the movie. She just goes by Jules, and that is played by Demi Moore, who was going through some tough stuff at the time. Got it. Got it. Pretty much what she's going through in the movie. <clears throat>
1: uh, I might have gone right on the nose with this a bit, Corey, but I picked Alicia Silverstone.
0: Dang, that's good.
1: I think she, you know a few. This is a few because Clueless is 95, 94, 95. And so I think that at this point, she'll be able to play like it's almost like a continuation. It's not really because her character in Clueless was a good natured human who was more trying to help her friends and stuff. And she's going to play this more self-centered figured character.
0: I kind of want to just like blow up my Jules and Leslie now where it's like, okay, think about this. Okay, I put like I thought about I thought about Rose McGowan as being on the nose Um Okay. And then um and then I also thought like again kind of go the Campbell's, like let's give Jennifer Love Hewitt some meat to chew on, you know? Oh, like let's give her some okay. like depth, yeah. you know, in yeah. a character and let her play like a drug-addled post-college grad. Like Party and girl. I think yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt would be kill.
1: Yeah. No, I think so too.
0: But the second you said Alicia Silverstone, I'm like, let's give her the job, but what if we gave Liv Tyler the Leslie Hunter role? And we just turn this into an Aerosmith music video.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> we get a song. <laughs> we
0: get the song, crazy. <laughs> And Alicia Silverstone is Jules and Liv Tyler is Leslie.
1: So you're going to you're going to ditch your Nev Campbell for Liv Tyler? No, I'm just talking. Oh, you're just talking. I thought that'd be incredible. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just saying we're doing a 90s cast. That's fair. Yeah. Super 90s. True. True, 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 true. All right. So you're going to stick with. Yeah, I'll just stick with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. No, I think she'll I think she'd nail that. she'd nail it. It'd be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Also, Jennifer Love Hewitt do something besides run away from A Dude with the Hook um, or just be a popular girl in the movie. Um. All right, Billy Hicks. Who again? They wanted R. D. J. originally. Okay. But apparently, okay. Rob Lowe really sold himself to Joel Schumacher.
1: Okay, Cord. This is where my money's. My 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 movie's gonna spend all the money, and I put Leo DiCaprio here.
0: <laughs> Dude, the guy just made Titanic.
1: He did. He's unaffordable. Listen, <laughs> he 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 filmed it. We're gonna put in some magical idea where he's filming it after he's filmed Titanic. It's that little smaller movie he made. Before he like got to sign on to all the big it's movies, it's the movie
0: that struck the lottery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're like all on. Set. Just like,
1: happens to also. Hey, what did you
0: just do? Uh, it's a movie called Titanic. I don't. Know. I mean, I don't know who's going to see it. Everybody knows how the movie ends. Like, a bunch of people die. <laughs> Blows actor, up. You know. And it's that's gonna.
1: gonna... <laughs> but what's going to be good, Corey, is that's going to pull in more people to watch. Satan that's almost what i that, that happens sometimes. Yeah. That yeah. little
0: indie movie that got the person that just got done wrapping the big movie. Right. That explodes when your little indie movie is coming out. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's great. Um, I like that. Um, again, I thought about Heath Ledger here. Okay. Thought about Skeet Ulrich here. I
1: thought he might come up.
0: Thought Skeet Ulrich would be really fun here, but you know who I really think would be the best? Who? Paul Walker.
1: <laughs> yeah. Paul Walker. kind of looks it. like he's got some Rob lowness ness to him. That
0: and Paul Walker's gonna sell those sentimental moments that yeah. he has to have, like the, don't give up on me. You know, Paul Walker acts a lot with his eyes. He's true. got really That's like true. dreamy eyes. Yeah. that you fall yeah. into and you like you're really like yeah, don't give up on him. He's a piece of shit, but don't give up on, on, on him. Come on, you know, and the whole he's all about like, family. Have your kid neutered, you know, blah blah blah. Because if he knocks up some, he has to pay the. Yeah. price. Paul Walker's gonna do it, and it's yeah. gonna be good. Okay, all right. Okay. I believe in Paul Walker. I get. Like, I, I hate that, I like his that legacy's Fast and Furious because I think he did so much better stuff, but whatever that's what it is that's what it is all right last but not least judd nelson's incredible role he sells this movie for me him and andrew mccarthy sell this movie for he
1: me. he looks in this movie especially maybe it's just the haircut like he gives off pacino vibes he does
0: have some pacino like
1: that's if true. we were recasting godfather in like late 80s i'd be like michael corleone probably right there so
0: so like for me and this is just like kind of just give an idea of what i really like in an actor is i really like an actor who can act without talking yeah and i think john nelson does this so much he gets a lot of close-ups he gets a lot of like reactionary type of scenes like i consider like i, I peg it down to karate kid at the end when the, the guy tells you know johnny lawrence sweep the leg yeah when william Zapka just acts with his face to me it's like that's acting he you buy every emotion that he, he's telling you everything with his eyes which yeah. is like no like I'm respecting this kid. That's cheating. That's not I the right way this. to do it. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. You know, it's it's uh, Stan Gable at the end of like uh, Revenge of the Nerds. There's Yo. a shot of him where you can tell he completely regrets everything he's done in the movie. And so that's all Judd Nelson does this whole movie. Freaking love it. When he, when the guy says you think marriage will make you faithful, and all he does is say yes. I'm like, I believe him. I <laughs> <laughs> believe him. And so um, I love I love this character. All it's right. a good character. So.
1: Again, a bad, terrible person, but just a real person. But a real yeah. person, because
0: most people are just bad. He, he,
1: he's, he's building up a logic in his head that it makes sense of like, well, if I can get married, if she'll just marry me, then I'll stop. It'll, it'll tell me in my brain, like, I shouldn't sleep with all these that's women. everybody, though. Yeah. Everybody
0: thinks that there's some quick fix to their yeah, problem. Yeah, exactly. Like, so like that scene is so impactful to me, because you just like think like someone says, you think that's going to fix it? And They're like, yes. You know, yeah. and it's like, no, you have a deeper rooted problem, and like, you're not, I don't think you're seeing the whole picture. You're not even like thinking like, do you love this woman? Because I'm questioning if you do. Yeah, you know, and so it's like, yeah, I love it. All right, who do you have for Alec Newberry?
1: Listen, Corey, it's it's late '90s. You got a lead leading role guy. I picked the dude. I, I picked Pretty Prince Jr.
0: All right, I respect it.
1: I mean, I it, it's gonna be it's gonna be slightly different than other roles because we don't see him do a lot in this era outside of like teen. Maybe college age type stuff. So him having to be kind of a yuppie, kind of a a politician character, slicked back hair and stuff with the suit. It's gonna be fun, I think. It's gonna be more of a departure than I think people assume when they just hear that.
0: I promised myself I was gonna avoid Freddie prince Okay. Because sometimes I feel like I only bring movies here to put Freddie prince in them.
1: I mean, that's fair.
0: That's just (laughs) that's my default. If I'm bringing a movie to the late '90s, it's because I'm like, I want Freddie prince in this role, right? And so I told myself I'm not gonna do it, but I. Totally agree with you because the way we described Alec earlier, he's the core. He's the he's the guy everyone gravitates toward. And I think that was Freddie Prince for this group of actors. Yeah. I think they I think Freddie Prince was the core of this 90s teen movement. I mm-hmm. think he was, you know, people wanted it to be Ryan Felipe. It was it Freddie. Was not Come probably, on. Yeah. it's Freddie Prince. You know, he's at the core of this. And so I think he would actually do really well. Would have been nice, but again, Mark Paul Gosseler, Zach Morris, I would have loved it, but just a little aged out.
1: Maybe. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. I
0: would have loved it. I think he actually would have killed this role really well.
1: he been. I think that would have been interesting to see for him.
0: This is where I thought about Paul Rudd as okay. well. Okay. Okay. I don't hate Paul Rudd here, but and I hate this. I hate what I'm doing because I have an issue with our Barbie episode that Freddy Prince Jr. was not Ken, but I'm putting James Vanderbeek. Hey,
1: you're <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here. I'm One putting
0: day. James Vanderbeek in the Alec Newberry role. Okay. I think he would kill it. I think he, he, would he, he, would, he would do
1: good. He would I do think, good. He would
0: do good. I'm weirdly a fan of James Vanderbeek. I'm upset that we let Cass be in charge of something. <laughs> <laughs> Total misfire. <laughs> Freddie Prinz and Sarah Michelle Gill were right there. That's your Barbie can of 1997. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. You know, but I do like James Van Der Beek a lot yeah. as an actor, and yeah. so, and I do think he would have been a good kin, because we've learned later that he's very, like, self-deprecating. Right, you know, like yeah, he has, himself, he has fun with like, it. Like, a lot, so mm-hmm. he would have been actually an extraordinary kin, but <laughs> yeah. um, I think he would do good.
1: Yeah, I think, very, I think so, too. Very much,
0: and so, um, but yeah, so that's kind of, like, what we feel would be a good 90s yeah. say, "Almost Fire. Um, I know this episode may not, like, if you've never seen St. Elmo's Fire, just go watch it. It's really yeah. good, I promise. Like, I've never led you astray. Like, Tanner tried to get you to watch Highlander and um, <laughs> that movie about the closet time machine. And uh, I've never led anyone astray on this podcast. <laughs> Tanner's got the bad record, not me. <laughs> Love you, Tanner. <laughs> but. Come on, just watch. St. him was fire.
1: Come Why on. are you attacking? We've we've Anaconda this year. I'm,
0: listen, was that me though?
1: No, I'm saying, I'm oh, saying like, Tanner's, I'm like, a, a "Tanner's not the only one that makes some very oh, daring okay. picks for movies and stuff."
0: I'm just doing because Tanner's my cousin. He has to love
1: me. That's that's true. So, he like, does he, have he, to he love required. you.
0: Required. Yeah. Um. And uh, um. And he made me watch Highlander, and so I'm, I was going <laughs> to come at him. And so, <laughs> All right, um, but I did make everybody watch Last Dragon. But you're welcome. That's <laughs> so, true. That's true. <laughs> you're welcome. That
1: was your gamble, and it paid off.
0: <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, like, I mean, you didn't ever watch that until you, you know, that was the only reason you ever watched that was this podcast. Well, maybe Santa Most Fire is going to be just as good. So, we'll see if
1: Corey's going to be two for two.
0: All right. Well, that's Santa Most Fire. That's why yeah. I like it. We think fall films is a genre.
1: It is. We've decided. <laughs> By
0: all means, hop on social media and tell us your favorite fall film. Like, what movie do you just think represents yes. this weird month that is November because Thanksgiving just gets... a. Does anyone have a Charlie Brown? Does it have a Charlie Brown? Christmas Halloween yeah, do, you do? Yeah, I, I think it does right? I think they all they've covered all the holidays okay, all right, I'm pretty sure right, all right. All right, so it's got a Charlie Brown special and planes trains and automobiles and I guess the Family Stone and then some yeah. horror and thanks ki- thanks killing <laughs> Thanksgiving. killing one
1: and... two three new so, Eli Roth, Roth movie coming out so. Yeah, so
0: yeah yeah so yeah um we're just trying to like you know we're just trying to help November out. so tell us your favorite fall film that was Animal's Fire as we think it would have looked in the 90s thanks for listening find us on social media say
1: goodbye Nick goodbye Nick. <laughs>